Welcome to Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of July 9, 2022. We hope you've enjoyed the 2022 ACB Conference and Convention. Regular programming on ACB Media is suspended until July 15. Convention virtual exhibits are being broadcast on ACB Media 6, and virtual tours are still being broadcast on ACB Media 7. ACB elected five members of its board of directors and three members of the board of publications during the convention. The five members on the ACB board are Connie Sims from South Dakota, Jeff Tom from California, Gabriel Cafati from Florida, Terry Pacheco from Maryland, and Rachel Schroeder from Illinois. The members elected to the Board of Publications are Zelda Gephardt from North Dakota, Penny Reeder from Maryland, and Cache Wells from Florida. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB's Bowling Green chapter, holds its social hour Zoom call each Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Some weeks there's a speaker. Other weeks, there's good conversation, making friends, sharing tips and ideas. To join the calls, dial 669-900-6833 and use the code 763-689-4411. To find out more about SCKCB, contact Richard Lindsay, President, at 270-781-1985 or Teresa Eskew, Vice President, at 270 270- Seven seven six six nine seven one. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, is going bowling at 10 a.m. Central Time on Saturday, June 16 at Southern Lanes in Owensboro. For more information and to find out how you can take part in this great event, contact Cheryl Lott, SAVVY President, at 270-686-8689. The Eastern Kentucky Christian Council of the Blind is holding its summer picnic from 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time at Dothlet Park in Jackson. For more information on how you can get in on the fun, contact Ronnie Patrick, President, at 606-671-0226 or Frank Campbell, Vice President, at 606-693-9360. Soundprints will return to its regular schedule on ACB Media 1 for the week of July 17. The Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association will hold its 2022 conference and reunion on Friday, July 29, and Saturday, July 30 at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Information packets have been mailed. If you have not received one, and you'd like information about the reunion, call Carla Rushevel, Treasurer, at 502-895-4598. Rooms are $99 a night for up to four people in the room. For those who register for the conference, the rate will be $75 a night upon checkout. Pre-register by July 21 to receive discounts on tickets and be part of our early bird jackpot drawing. Again, the phone number to call is 502-897-1472. 
The Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold its monthly Board of Directors meeting on Monday, July 18 at 8 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. The dial-in number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6971. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its telephone support group on Wednesday, July 20 at 8 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Support groups are open to all and are a great place to ask how-to questions related to living with little or no vision. The Tri-State Library Users Book Club and Business Meeting is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, July 15, also on the KCB Zoom line. For more information about the book for this month, Call or text Natalie Couch, President, at 217-369-5139 or email her at braillereader at gmail.com. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites everyone to play bingo at Roundabout on Saturday, June 16. This event is hybrid. Play virtually from 2 to 4 Eastern from anywhere in the country on the KCB Zoom line. Attend in person at United Christian Hill Ministries in Louisville. Doors open at 1 p.m. From 1 to 2, you can get help with iPhone and Alexa commands, apps, and skills. Or you can work on Braille or get tips on using your Braille e-reader or note taker. Or you can just visit with friends. After bingo at 4, we'll have dinner, followed by more visiting with friends, and if there's time, we'll play a game. Be sure to make your return rides by 6 p.m. Dinner is $6 per person. If you plan to have dinner, if you'd like to order a carryout, or if you'd like to get help with tech questions in Braille, give us a call at 502-895-4598. Roundabout on Saturday, July 23 will be virtual on the KCB Zoom line from 2 to 4 p.m. and will include page turners. Be ready to share good books or get ideas for some good reading from others on the call. ACB Families hosted its virtual campfire for the third year in a row at the ACB National Convention. It was filled with stories, songs, camp memories, and even an original play. Listen on page two to this fun-filled event. ACB Families is an affiliate that's open to everyone. Dues are only $8 a year, and everyone is welcome. The phone number to call for more information or to pay dues is 502-897-1472. For more information about KCB and to request a free subscription to Soundprints that can play on any standard CD player, call us at 502-895-4598. Page 2. If you would like to become a 2023 member, of ACB families, you are welcome to do so. Uh, I'll go on and give the phone number. You can call me and join via credit card at 502-897-1472. Or you can also call. I'll be happy to share um, the address where you can mail a check if you would like to do that. We are now going to move into our program. And first up, hello, 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 hello. We are glad to meet you. We are glad to greet you. Hello, 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 hello. 
everything is filled with stories and songs, and uh, we have a skit, and we're going to have some uh, nature, some trivia as we have time. And also we want you to be thinking of stories that you would like to share. Maybe you have a song to share. Um, and also we'd like to hear about some of your camp experiences. So this is going to be um, like camp usually is. Just a very free-flowing session. Uh, we don't have a set program that we're going to have to do at a certain minute. And, oh, my goodness, we're three minutes behind. Uh, so um, let's all relax and have a good time. So uh, now that we've been welcomed by the Hello Song, our narrator tonight, who is going to be sharing camp stories with us, is Paul Edwards. And I don't know... Too many people who are who can do more, bring more drama to uh, whether it's uh, an, an exciting or a very dry subject than Paul Edwards. So, um, Paul, we appreciate you being here. Paul is now in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, we just really appreciate you doing this for us, Paul. So, you're first up with a camp story. So it's um, it's kind of hard to follow uh, somebody like Jack Fox, who's been doing this for the last several years. So they haven't yet hired me at the printing house to read talking books, but uh, I'm open. <laughs> so one of the one of the things that that is always a part of camp for me is is Indian lore, and so the first story that I'm going to read is actually an Indian legend called Aya, the Camp Eater. From the tall grass came the voice of a crying babe. The huntsmen, who were passing nigh, heard it and halted. The tallest one among them hastened toward the high grass with long, cautious strides. He waded through the growth of green with just a head above it all. Suddenly, exclaiming, Ungay. he dropped out of sight. In another instant, he held up in both his hands a tiny little baby wrapped in soft brown buckskin. Oh, oh, a wood giant, cried the men, for they were hunting along the wooded river bottom where this babe was found. While the hunters were questioning whether or no they should carry it home, the wee Indian baby kept up his little howl. His voice is strong, said one. At times it sounds like an old man's voice, whispers a superstitious fellow who feared some bad spirit hid in the small child to cheat them by the by. Let us take it to our wise chieftain, at length they said. And the moment they started toward the campground, the strange wood child ceased to cry. Beside the chieftain's teepee waited the hunters while the tall man entered with the child. Oh, oh, nodded the kind-faced chieftain, listening to the queer story. Then, rising, he took the infant in his strong arms. Gently, he laid the black-eyed babe in his daughter's lap. This is to be your little son, said he, smiling. Yes, father, she replied. 
Pleased with the child, she smoothed the long black hair fringing his round brown face. Tell the people that I give a feast and dance this day for the naming of my daughter's little son, bade the chieftain. In the meanwhile, among the men waiting by the entranceway, one said in a low voice, I have heard that bad spirits come as little children into a camp as they mean to destroy. No, no, let us not be overcautious. It would be cowardly to leave a baby in the wild wood where prowl the hungry wolves, answered an elderly man. The tall man now came out of the chieftain's teepee. With a word, he sent them to their dwellings, half running with joy. A feast, a dance for the naming of the chieftain's grandchild, cried he in a loud voice to the village people. What? What? asked they in great surprise, holding a hand to the ear to catch the words of the crier. There was a momentary silence among the people while they listened to the ringing voice of the man walking in the center ground, then broke forth a rippling, laughing babble among the cone-shaped teepees. All were glad to hear of the chieftain's grandson. They were happy to attend the feast and dance for its naming. With excited fingers, they twisted their hair into glossy braids and painted their cheeks with bright red paint. To and fro hurried the women, handsome in their gala day dress. Men in loose deerskins with long, tinkling metal fringes strode in small numbers toward the center of the round campground. Here, underneath a temporary shade house of green leaves, they were to dance and feast. The children in deerskins and paints, just like their elders, were jolly little men and women. Beside their eager parents, they skipped along toward the green dance house. Here, seated in a large circle, the people were assembled. The proud chieftain rose with the little baby in his arms. The noisy hum of voices was hushed. Not a tinkling of a metal fringe broke the silence. The crier came forward to greet the chieftain, then bent attentively over the small babe, listening to the words of the chieftain. When he paused, the crier spoke aloud to the people. This woodland child is adopted by the chieftain's eldest daughter. His name is Jaske. He wears the title of the eldest son. In honor of Chaske, the chieftain gives this feast and dance. These are the words of him you see holding a baby in his arms. Yes, yes, hinks, hinks, how, came from the circle. At once the drummers beat softly and slowly their drum, while the chosen singers hummed together to find the common pitch. The beat of the drum grew louder and faster. The singers burst forth in a lively tune. Then the drum beat subsided and faintly marked the rhythm of the singing. Here and there bounced up men and women, both young and old. They danced and sang with merry light hearts. Then came the hour of feasting, late 
into the night, the air of the campground was alive with the laughing voices of women and the singing in unison of young men. Within her father's teepee sat the chieftain's daughter. Proud of her little one, she watched over him asleep in her lap. Gradually, a deep quiet stole over the campground as one by one the people fell into pleasant dreams. Now, all the village was still. Alone sat the beautiful young mother watching the babe in her lap, asleep with a gaping little mouth. Amid the quiet of the night, her ear heard the far-off hum of many voices. The faint sound of murmuring people was in the air. Upward, she glanced at the smoke hole of the wigwam and saw a bright star peeping down upon her. Spirits in the air above? She wondered, yet there was no sign to tell her of their nearness. The fine, small sound of voices grew larger and nearer. Father, rise. I hear the coming of some tribe, hostile or friendly, I cannot tell. Rise and see, whispered the young woman. Yes, my daughter, answered the chieftain, springing to his feet. Though asleep, his ear was ever alert. Thus, rushing out into the open, he listened for strange towns with... An eagle eye, he scanned the campground for some sign. Returning, he said, My daughter, I I hear nothing and and see no sign of evil. Nigh? Oh, the sound of many voices comes up from the earth about me, exclaimed the young mother, bending low over her babe. She gave ear to the ground. Horrified was she to find the mysterious sound came out of the open mouth of her sleeping child. Why so unlike other babes, she cried within her heart as she slipped him gently from her lap to the ground. Mother, listen and tell me if this child is an evil spirit come to destroy our camp, she whispered aloud. Placing an ear close to the open baby mouth, the chieftain and his wife each in turn heard the voices of a great camp. The singing of men and women, the beating of the drum, the rattling of deer hoofs strung like bells on a string. These were the sounds they heard. We must go away, said the chieftain, leading him into the night. Out in the open, he whispered to the frightened young woman, Aya, the camp eater has come in the guise of a babe. Had you gone to sleep? He would have jumped out into his own shape and would have devoured our camp. He is a giant with spindling legs. He cannot fight, for he cannot run. He is powerful only in the night with his tricks. We are safe as soon as day breaks. Then, moving closer to the woman, he whispered, If he wakes now, he will swallow the whole tribe with one hideous gulp. Come, we must flee with our people. Thus, creeping from teepee to teepee, a secret alarm signal was given. At midnight, the teepees were gone, and there was left no sign of the village, save heaps of dead ashes, 
so quietly had the people folded their wigwams and bundled their tent poles that they slipped away unheard by the sleeping Ayabib. When the morning sun arose, the babe awoke. Seeing himself deserted, he threw off his baby form in a hot rage, wearing his own ugly shape. His huge body toppled to and fro from side to side on a pair of thin legs far too small for their burden. Though with every move he came dangerously nigh to falling, he followed in the trail of the fleeing people. I shall beat you in the sight of a noonday sun, cried Aya in his vain rage when he spied them encamped beyond the river. By some unknown cunning, he swam the river and sought his way toward the teepees. <laughs> He grunted and growled. <laughs> With perspiration beating his brow, he strove to wiggle his slender legs beneath his giant form. <laughs> but all the village people were laughing to see Aya, made foolish with anger. <laughs> Such spindle legs cannot stand fight by daylight, shouted the brave ones who were terror-struck the night before by the name Aya. Warriors with long knives rushed forth and slew the camp-eater. Lo, there rose out of the giant a whole Indian tribe, their campground, their teepees in a large circle, and the people laughing and dancing. We are glad to be free, said these strange people. Thus, Aya was killed, and no more are the campgrounds in danger of being swallowed up in a single night time. And that's the end of the story. Wow, thanks, Paul. That was great. Uh, I had read the story, and yet I was worried they weren't going to get away from the, from the evil spirits. But thank you. That was fantastic. We hope we'll have another story from you here in a little bit. Um, the others are a lot shorter. Yes. <laughs> the skit will be coming next after uh, Deanna um, shares. Deanna, do you have an appropriate uh, song, camp song, to go with Paul's story? Yes, I do, right now. And it's called uh -huh. Land of the Silver Birch. Hang on. Land of the Silver Birch, home of the beaver, where still the mighty moose wanders at will. Blue lake and rocky shore, I will return once more. Boom diddy a da, boom da yay, boom diddy a da yay. High on a rocky ledge, I'll build my wigwam. Close to the waters, silent and still. Blue lake and rocky shore, I will return once more. Boom diddy a da, boom da yay, boom diddy a da yay. My heart grows sick for thee here in the lowlands. I will return to thee. 
Hills of the North, blue lake and rocky shore, I will return no more. Boom diddy da boom da boom diddy da boom. Land of the silver, home of the beaver. Right. Thank you. Next, we have a skit and or, or a, a short play, and um, I'm going to turn over the introduction of this portion of the program to Terry Turrell, who is the um, the person leading this play, and uh, we have some special guests with us who are going to be participating. So, Terry, the time is yours. Introduce the play. Tell everyone how this happened. Thank you, Carla. I am so happy to be here. There, an Actors Theater grant uh, has has been found for the last few years to work with Kentucky School for the Blind high school students on writing short plays. And this year, uh, we are proud to to present to you one of these plays. Readers Touch Productions, sponsored by Tri-State Library users is proud to present The Forest, a short play in one act by Mahogany Taylor, a high school student at the Kentucky School for the Blind in Louisville, Kentucky. Character, The Water Wants to be Clear, played by Mary Hopp. The Sun Wants to Melt the Water, played by Kathy Signe. The Cloud Wants to Snow, played by B.T. Kimbrough, the narrator, played by Terry Turlock. Setting, the forest. Trees are standing up and the sun is floating in the sky and the cloud, well, the cloud is in front of the sun and the water is frozen. I want to be clear, not blue because I'm frozen. I want to shine bright. I want to snow everywhere. Water, I think that I could help both of us. Well, I want to be clear, not blue. Can you help with that? Possibly. The sun shines on the water. The water melts like it. Then the cloud rolls in. Well, now, I think I could be part of this as well. The cloud snows and the water freezes and turns blue. Son, you said you could help me. No, I said I could possibly help you, Water. I don't help anyone but myself. Cloud, you have other people you can bother. Water, don't be mean to Cloud. I will try to be nice to Cloud. Thank you. The next day. Know where Cloud is? I have not seen Cloud anywhere. I really like Cloud. But you met Cloud yesterday. Why are you being so mean to Cloud all the time? Because Cloud comes back. Because you don't like me, and it's fine. I can't be here when you two are arguing. Wait. Sun leaves, everything freezes, 
including the water, as the night falls into place. Do you think the sun will come back, Cloud? I don't know. The next day, Cloud cries more and more, which results in a rain and snowstorm. Stop snowing and raining, Cloud! I can't. Sun's not here, so I'm sad. I want Sun to be here because you are ruining what I wanted and Sun wanted, so leave. Fine. If that's what you want, that's what you get. The next day. Where is Sun and Cloud today? Oh, I remember now. I told Cloud to leave, and Sun didn't like us arguing, so it's all my fault because I wanted to be clear, but they wanted something different. Well, I have a question, Water. Yeah? How did you come? Well, I don't know. All I know is there's parts of me falling from the sky, so maybe you and I become this river together. Now you know that we are all connected, so we work together with Sun, too. Now I know that it's okay to be clear or blue. So now you know why you shouldn't argue. Now, now we, do. we do. But do we really know what we want? I don't know. Well, I think I shine... Clouds, snows, and rains, and water, you, you come from cloud. There. We are all connected somehow. Yeah, I get it. We work together. To make the forest work properly. Basically, we are like the natural elements. But what do you two want? I want to change the way I'm supposed to be throughout the season. I want to change throughout the seasons, not just blue or clear. They work together and learn over time that they all can be what they wanted because of the seasonal changes. The end. Okay, I'm going to call on them in the order that I see them. So, Fr Francine? I have to say, Cloud, I thought you were fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. We love yeah, Cloud. I like that. And I love the Indian story that Paul read. I thought that was awesome, too. Thank you. It was wonderfully read. It was brilliant. Yes. Okay, next Good we life. have Natalie Couch. So um, I just want to say as president of Tri-State Library users, you all did awesome. Um, and, Paul, you also did a great job on your story. So I'm really enjoying this so far. <laughs> Thank you. I know everybody knows this song, but we're going to – this land is your land, this land is my land, from California, living in your garden, from red with forest to the upstream waters. This land was made for me. As I was walking that slow of highway, I saw above me.
redwood forest, the stream Thank you, Deanna. I appreciate that. Let's have another quick story from Paul. So I think then we'll ask for some people, maybe if some people want to share their memories of camp, and then we're going to have a couple of little interesting nature facts. So, um, Paul, you're up. So sometimes camp stories are scary, and sometimes camp stories are funny, and sometimes, if we're lucky, they're both. So, on a dark night like this, a young man was walking home, and it was a dark, deserted street he was walking along. As he passed the gates of a small cemetery, he felt as if he was being followed. Suddenly, he heard a bump behind him. Afraid to look back, he increased his pace. Bump, bump, bump. The bumping behind him continued, getting closer and louder. Finally, unable to ignore the bump any longer, he turned around. Terror-stricken, he saw a coffin standing on end, bumping down the road from side to side. Bump, 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 bump. He started running for his life, but the coffin only kept on coming, increasing its pace to match his bump, bump, bump. As the man became tired from running, the coffin began to get closer. The man grabbed a large metal trash can as he ran by and threw it at the coffin. Unfazed, the coffin kept coming, getting closer and closer. Bump, bump, bump. He finally arrived home. As he ran into his yard, he noticed the axe rested against the side of the house next to the woodpile. He grabbed it up and hurled it at the coffin, but it simply bounced off. <laughs> the coffin followed the man up onto the porch and crashed down the front door the man had closed and locked behind him. Bump, bump, bump. He ran upstairs and grabbed his shotgun from where it hung on the wall, firing at the coffin as it came through the doorway. Still, the now partially shattered coffin continued towards him. Bump, bump, bump. In desperation, the man ran to the bathroom, closed the door, and backed as far as he could. He knew the coffin would simply break down the door. However, the man did not intend to give up. Grabbing a bottle of cough syrup, he hurled it at the coffin. The bottle shattered, covering the coffin with cough syrup. And the coffin stopped. <laughs> All right. Oh. <laughs> now, Paul, you make that up. <laughs> I could see it happening. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to ask if anyone um, has, let's share a couple of camp uh, experiences. Does anybody have a camp experience they'd like to share? So the first one is Jamaica. I wanted to um, tell you all that I really enjoyed 
I really enjoyed going canoeing when I when I was at the when I was at the um at the at the camp that I used to go to and it was a lot of fun and um I'm hoping to be able to go canoeing at the um at the Georgia Council of the Blind event coming up in November. So um that's my little my little camp story. Thank you. It's good. Who's next? Thank you. Hey, next. Linda Gaps. Hey, Linda. Hi there. <clears throat> so it's a dark night sitting on the edge of Green Mountain Reservoir in Colorado. It was almost dawn, but it was still quite dark out. A campfire was roaring on the side of the lake, and my mother and I and my sister-in-law and my baby sister were sitting there with fishing poles. What's this? Mom caught a fish. Wait, Penny got one too? Oh, no, and then Charlotte has one. Hey, I've got one too. And in comes my hero, Dennis, who also wanted to fish. But he was so busy taking all of our fish off the hooks and rebaiting them and getting them ready for us to cast that he never got to catch a single fish during that crazy, insane time that we were fishing. I want you to think about a campfire. If you could see a campfire, what would you see? When I was little, I had just enough sight to see the flames. And I used to think about things dancing in those flames. These are some of the precious memories I have of camping with my family. Camp doesn't necessarily have to be a place that you go, although I did go to a camp once. It can just be wonderful memories spent with those that you love. Thank you. Fantastic. Hey, next we have right. Nora. Nora. Yeah, hi. Hi, everyone. I love camping, and I have camped at different places. Camp for the blind. And also, I have camped down in the bottom of uh, <laughs> camp in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, oh, and we had the regular camping. I enjoyed the campfires. I enjoyed swimming, and and uh, one time I went fishing, and singing, and also singing in the swimming in the pool and everything. And I liked the campfires where we had s'mores and we had singing and uh, storytelling and fun things like that. And even in the Grand Canyon, we had we have some some songs and things like that. And it was for a group who were disabled in Arizona. And it was so much fun. And we sang, just like saying, one time we had a skit, uh, one of us, a river camp, we all in the river. And every time we enjoyed river rafting and had fun. And we had s'mores and whatever else we ate, and it was fun. And and fun sleeping out in the tent at times, too. And I enjoyed it all. Thank you very much. All right. Those s'mores are always good. You've got to have s'mores. Okay. <laughs> okay. Who else? Do we have another hand? Next, we have Francine. Go ahead. Am I unmuted? Yes. Okay. So... <clears throat> but I went to Beacon Lodge when I was in high school, and um, we had this lake that we used to go rowing, you know, boat rowing and stuff. 
And so there were several several boats and several people in each boat. And we were out in the middle of the lake, and we were rocking the boats back and forth, and the water was getting in the boat, and more water was coming in, and the boat sunk. And everybody in that boat obviously got wet. So when, when we got out of the water, we got the boat on, out of the water, and we went back to camp. The camp director wanted to know why we were all wet. And, of course, we told her, well, the boat sunk. And, well, only one of you should have gotten wet. We're like, well, how could only one of us get wet when there were four of us in the boat? And the boat sunk. You know, she just didn't understand why we were all wet. That was, you know, one of the funniest things. We were all just looking at each other going like, seriously? <laughs> like, that was one of my camp memories. All right. Okay. Next we have question. Jean Mann. Jean? I went to camp every summer from the time I was nine till I was 16. Um, my favorite camp was Wapanaki up in Vermont. Um, Diane went there once, so she would remember us. But I think of all my favorite things, the two that were most memorable was the times I climbed Mount Mansfield, which was the highest mountain in Vermont. And um, we would climb it, and then we'd eat lunch up at the top, and then we took the gondola back down, and then we camped out in lean overnight. And we would cook a nice big steak dinner with fried potatoes. Oh, it was so good. And I'm sure we had s'mores later. And we'd sit around, and one of the counselors had a guitar, and we'd sing and tell ghost stories. And then the other thing that I loved was the time I did what we called the Canadian hike, and it was a 50-mile trip from the camp to the Canadian border. And it took us a couple days. We carried our backpacks on our backs. It was hot. I remember that. And just before we got to the to the border, I said to the girl I was walking with, let's run the rest of the way because we could. I wouldn't be able to do it now, but those those are my favorite things. And, Paul, I have to tell you, I've heard that story before, but I forgot how it ended. So it was, uh, it was a bad story, but it was funny. Right. Hey, next we have Connie Bateman. Connie? Hi, everyone. Can you hear me? We can. Yes. Oh, good. All right. So as a teenager, I went to Enchanted Hills Camp for the Blind, which is outside of Napa, California. And I learned how to swim at camp because when I was in the third grade, I tried to take swim lessons with my sisters, and they didn't allow me to do that. This was before, you know before legislation. So anyway, so we, we did some swimming and horseback riding arts and crafts, but my favorite was singing in the camp choir during enrichment period and also singing songs around the campfire. And years later, I became a counselor and I sang and played my guitar and I taught the kids how to sing the song, The House at Pooh Corner, you know, that Kenny Loggins song. Mm-hmm. And... So they learned how to sing the song, and they sang it for the camp talent show. So, um, And then one of the highlights of camp was hiking into Napa. All I remember is that it was long and very hot. But we, we got there, and we went to a pizza place. That was our reward. And then someone drove us back to camp. So those are my camp memories. Great. Thank you. Uh, Adam, you have a camp memory? Uh, when I was uh, young, I attended a camp 
in Carrollton, Kentucky, which is across the Ohio River from Madison, Indiana, or about halfway between Louisville and Cincinnati, up uh, uh, US 42. There was no interstate at the time, and um, we uh, it was a, it was a camp by the Kentucky Easter Seal Society, and they had sessions with uh, mixed handicapped uh, campers, including blind uh, and orthopedic, uh, and so on. And every morning uh, during the camp, we would have a flag-raising ceremony. Well, my brother, um, who was a volunteer uh, counselor uh, that year, uh, and the son of the maintenance uh, man at the camp who lived on the camp property. Uh, both of them were about 13 years old. And, uh, of course, the camp had a laundry facility where they could uh, wash clothes for both campers and staff. And we uh, had this uh, one um, volunteer uh, counselor named Margaret. And um, my brother and... Uh, the son of the maintenance guy went out that night, visited the laundry area, and so the flagpole was outside, and all the campers and counselors would go out and form a circle around the flagpole, and they would have an official flag-raising ceremony. However, this morning they uh, had a slight delay because my brother and the other fellow had raised to the top of the flagpole a girdle of Margaret from the laundry area. And so they had to lower the girdle in order to raise the flag. All right. Okay. We have uh, three raised hands. Any more? Okay. Diane? Um, Pam Coffey is first. Three summers back in the mid-60s, I attended a camp in Georgia. Now, this was not the name of the camp site. This is what we called the camp. Camp was called Camp Wicky Wacky. And it was the first summer was one week because it was a brand new program. It was a little bit of a pilot program, I guess. And then the next two summers, we were at a different camp site. But the one I'm going to share is the first summer. Uh, this, even though we slept in tents and well let's see to relieve ourselves we used those lovely things called latrines we did not have a indoor plumbing <clears throat> and the showers had no hot water it was freezing cold uh, but the what i'm going to share is even though Parts of the camp were very primitive. Um, the kitchen committee, the cooking committee, was supposed to be able to use a stove at the facility. And I don't know whether it was electric or gas, but it was a stove. There was just one small problem. No one could get the stove to work. So they had to get real creative really fast and cook everything outside on a grill. And they did it. They even did pancakes on a grill. Now, I can't do pancakes worth a ding-dong on a stove, let alone on a grill. Uh, 
but they they managed to do it. But the first day of camp, our dinner was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> I bet. So that's the memory I'm going to share of camp. I could there are a lot of them I could share over those three summers. Um, okay, thank you. I bet you did have good food though coming off that grill. Yeah. Hey, who's next, Diane? Next is Leslie Z. Go ahead. Leslie. Leslie. Um, okay, I went to several camps and um, in, in California, and the thing was that um, I went. I started when I was like seven, and went uh, for several years, probably about ten years, eleven years, and um, the 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 main thing I remember was we had. Um, we had a lot of different, you know, outdoor activities and hiking and all that, but we also had a lot of evening activities and, um, uh, like, you know, um, dances and pizza parties and all that kind of stuff, which was, I thought was kind of interesting for camp and, um, and, uh, and then, um, part of the time when I, when I got into high school years, I worked and I was there for like six weeks instead of just a couple of weeks. And, um, so I did that for like three years and worked outside of the camp, but they drove us to the, to a workplace. It was called the summer work experience, but we got to stay at the camp. And, and, um, so I was new when things were happening because, uh, I worked at, at a, processing play well it was a mushroom farm and so they always called me to pick up all the stuff for the pizzas when it was time for pizza parties so they usually tried to surprise people but I was new when it was going to happen so it was great and then the thing that was strange to me was we had the camp was in Malibu and they took us to concerts in the evenings at the LA Forum and they took us to uh, amusement parks, like like Six Flags and stuff like that during some of the days. And it was really strange um, to me that we were going to camp and then we'd end up going to an amusement park. And I was very strange. But, um, you know, it, it was an interesting experience to have horseback riding and, and hiking and and boating and that kind of thing and all of a sudden then you're going to an amusement park the next day and um, those were like supposed to be surprise things and it was just kind of an odd mix and uh, and then I did other things with family and stuff of camping and setting up tents and and uh, things like that and going around uh, Door County, Wisconsin on tandem bikes with a group and setting up our tent every night and taking it down in the morning and heading out on the bikes again with carrying our bags, our backpacks and all that. And it's so much fun. Viola Benson. Okay. Hi, Carla and everybody. Um, Hi. I had several camp experiences, some as a teenager going to a Seventh-day Adventist camp and realizing it was vegetarian and 
I started dreaming about hamburgers halfway through the week. But that's that's not... I wanted to talk about the one we went to when I was at the Washington State School for the Blind. They take all the older kids, seventh grade on up, every year to a camp in Oregon called Camp Magruder, and we would stay there for a whole week, and we would... Um, They'd have us do things like learning to um, climb ropes, and we'd win prizes for volleyball games and and tug-of-wars, and the one who dug the the deepest hole in the sand got water first, just different things like that. And it was a lot of fun, and all the teachers that we had during the year would come and be our counselors, so we didn't have counselors, all the teachers and and gym instructors and everybody would come and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun the, all those years and I went to see Camp Magruder as an adult and it still was the same. We walked down to the beach and and it was it hadn't changed a bit. I was really happy to see that. Sounds wonderful. We have Jennifer Bowling. Hi. Jennifer. Um I Used to work at a camp called Camp Tuck Mahuda, um, that was in Greenville, Michigan. And my favorite part about working and being a camper was doing rock climbing. We got to climb the rock walls and stuff like that. And that was my most memorable part. And I wanted to say that my favorite part about tonight was listening to the skip. I was like, laughing. It was hilarious. It was great. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Paul, do you have another short story we could get? And then, Deanna, we're going to want you to close. Okay. I do have one other short story. And it's called Be Careful What You Wish For. A young girl was late for school one morning, so she took a shortcut through a neighborhood her mom told her was dangerous. Promise me you'll never walk to school that way, her mother had said, because it's full of temptation. Her mother went on to tell her that she had been tempted but resisted. She was afraid her daughter was too young to do so. The young girl was almost to school and could not understand why her mother had issued such a warning. She'd seen nothing tempting, no candy, no toys, or other goodies. Just then, she saw right in front of her a large copper pot. She scooped it up and rubbed it on the leg of her pants to clean it off, as she thought it might be good to share for show and tell. Out popped a You guessed it, a genie. She knew it was a genie from movies and television shows. I will grant you three wishes, said the genie. The girl was very smart for her age and thought for a minute before responding. Okay, um, for the first wish, um, I want unlimited wishes that will come true. A clever girl, said the genie. And for wish number two? Um, I want millions of dollars. Very good choice. And wish number three? Um, I, I want to be the best grade and be the most po- popular girl in school. Just as she finished, she could hear the school bell ringing. Oh, no! Look what you've done! I'm going to be late for school and get a detention. 
a chuckle, the genie granted her wish. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Oh, me. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope that everyone has enjoyed our trip to camp. And thanks to everyone for sharing. Thanks to BT and Mary Hopped and Terry Turla and Kathy Signier for um, presenting our the skit, The Forest. And thanks to Diane for hosting and to Jeff Bishop for streaming and to Paul Edwards for uh, for sharing stories with us and to Deanna for the music. And, Deanna, you're going to close camp in an appropriate way. All right. It's a little hard to follow uh, what Paul just did, but here it is. And uh, I don't know if you remember the Girl Scout camp stuff, but, um, well, almost every Girl Scout meeting we had the circle where our, you know, where you folded your, where you put your right arm over your left arm and held the next person's hand, and that was supposed to make the circle strong. Anyway, here it is. Day is done, gone the sun, from the lakes, from the hills, from the sky, all is well, safely rest. God is not. Night, everybody. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.